2: Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, And make sure you follow us on Twitter. At Locked On Hornets. Make sure you follow our next guest on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer joins us this week as he does every week. He's putting out a lot of content on the Charlotte Hornets after having to dabble in some other areas because. We didn't have the NBA. We didn't have any news breaking on the Charlotte Hornets. We didn't get any content from any of the members of the organization. But now we do. And Rick Bunnell is at work putting that again out on Twitter. His handle is Rick underscore Bunnell. Uh, Rick, I call you Rick Bunnell, but apparently other outlets will call you Rock Bunnell. How did you feel when you saw that your first name had been changed to Rock?
3: (laughs) My my, actually, my reaction when people started pointing that out to me on Twitter was, "Believe me, the things I've been called on Twitter—that's the least insulting thing I've heard said <laughs> about me." So.
4: I kind of like <laughs> it. I like and <laughs> Does
3: that make me like a Flintstones character now or something?
2: I, I like so. that. Yes. I agree. I do think it makes you sound like a Flintstone character. I think that's an excellent name, but we will stick with Rick Bennell here just so you get the recognition that you deserve, Rick. And uh, one piece that you worked on that people can find on charlotteobserver.com or on your Twitter handle, you actually did an interview with Michael Jordan um, where you talked about some of the things that he was referencing given the response to the murder of George Floyd as well as the a protest following and just the current climate in general regarding social injustice. Rick, what was that piece like for you to work on?
3: Michael, you know, I think I've told you guys before, I think part of the reason Michael gives so few interviews is because when he does open up and talk, he can't help but be frank. And I certainly think he was on the issue of race that night. Um, One of the things that I found interesting was I noticed <clears throat> the extent to which, you know, the, the background of this, in case anybody doesn't know, is that he and Jordan Brand ha- combined have pledged to, to um, contribute $100 million over the next decade um, to social justice issues. And I thought it was very interesting that one of the bullet points that was emphasized was access to education. I asked Michael, because I've heard him talk about this before, I said, why is educational access so particularly important to you and he told me an interesting story about how again and again and again growing up his parents emphasized to he and his brothers and sisters that that education is the by far the best way for upward mobility to happen in society and so I think Michael really wants to pass on that gift to other, you know, to to underprivileged people. And, you know, it was just, it, there was also just a very emphatic enough is enough um, as far as brutality toward people of color. And he's passionate about this guy's.
2: Rick, I, I don't know what you can speak to and what you can't, but how do these conversations come about? Like, does Michael Jordan come out wanting to spread a message, and then you drop everything because it's Michael Jordan, the owner of the franchise you cover, or do you kind of inquire about something and then he agrees to do and he agrees to do so?
3: Um, without getting into technical details about how I do my yes. job, I reached out to him, and uh, yes, and okay. I basically said, and what I said in so many words. Um, in a text message was you know this is a really amazing thing that you've you've done and you really ought to talk about what the underlying thinking is in you making this effort and he you know when when i when i had a similar reach out to him a couple of years ago about hurricane relief and wilmington his hometown Um, He called me back and said, you're right. We should talk about this. And, you know, Michael, you know, the announcement was made in the middle of the afternoon. And about seven o'clock at night, I looked at my phone and saw a familiar number come up. And I said, hey, you want to talk about this? And he said, yeah, let's go.
4: (laughs) Now, now, when you approached him, did you introduce yourself as Rick or Rock? Because I would have gone with Rock because that's pretty awesome.
3: You know, in my mind, Doug, I don't really need any (laughs) 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 introduction.
4: Not not even, not
2: even to the great one, Michael Jordan himself, Rick, let's get to some of the comments from the general manager, Mitch Kupchak and the head coach, James Borrego, Mitch Kupchak. When asked what does this team need, with the question seemingly being more geared towards maybe a position, maybe a, a specific skill set that the Hornets team might need, he actually just was emphatic in driving the card more towards the lane of No, we just need talent right now, and he kept using that. And we've heard him say that before. What did you make of those comments from Mitch Kupchak about the team's needs?
3: Well, by the way, we should also note that those that that sentiment was very much echoed by James Borrego in the following interview too. Um, Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they're sending the message, guys, that while they feel very happy with the people who are here and the developmental improvement of the six young guys, um, they're not, they're not avoiding the subject. That, you know, this team is bereft of talent. Um, I have said on this show how many times twenty that um, they might be the most starless team in the league. I, I talked to three. Pro personnel people from other teams and, and asked them in a very open-ended way, how would you describe this roster right now? And each one of them gave me some variation of nondescript or starless. Um, there is not a Trey Young on this team, and until something comparable to that is on this team— it's just hard for me to imagine them ever advancing deep into the playoffs. Mitch knows that Mitch is not a stranger to what good looks like after all those years with the Lakers. Um, it's not a matter of if that has to happen. And, and it's not, by the way, insulting to anybody on this roster to say that, you know, nobody right here and right now, there's reason to think he's that guy. Um, the prop, you know, the issue is how, um, is it, is it, um, Getting, finally getting something magnificent in the draft is it eventually free agency because they're very open in saying that they don't think that, that it makes sense to, to pitch to some you know, big time free agent and by the way the class of 2020 isn't particularly good but you know I've always described this team since Kemba left as a donut that there are a lot of nice little complimentary parts but there's still a great big hole in the middle
4: uh Rick, one player that they had hoped uh, would have some star potential was Malik Monk, but he's had a rocky start uh, to his career with Charlotte. We did get some news on that. he has been uh, reinstated. Uh, any more info on that? Do we know the the exact date uh, and and how odd is it that we're just learning about this now as opposed to when it actually happened? Well
3: first off, I just I'm curious. Walker, did your head suddenly jerk at? Like- 10 45 on Monday. Did you like have some spasm or something?
2: (laughs) My, My neck still hurts from that. I got excited. The fact that Malik is back, baby, I am ready to see Malik monk play basketball, even if it's going to be in December.
3: You know, I heard you guys uh, kind of uh, going back and forth about, about where this leads Malik going forward. I, I, I guess I would land kind of in the middle of the way, the way you two guys were talking in the sense that um, I think Malik has an awful lot to prove. And, you know, let's keep in mind that this drug suspension, that's not the only time he has ever come across to the league as how serious he is about his work. Um You know, there was him skipping summer league last summer, even though both coaches and specifically teammates um, lobbied him to come out to Vegas. Um, He's a year away from restricted free agency. Uh, He is probably fortunate that the Hornets um, went ahead and exercised the $5 million or so option on his contract next season because I think, you know, I don't take it for granted that, anybody would be paying him five million dollars for next season if the hornets weren't already obligated to do that he's got a lot to prove before his name hits the open market um sometimes i think malik doesn't get it that being a lottery pick is not a lifetime achievement award
4: i know you said you're in the middle rick but it sounds like you're on my side of the middle no yeah, because he was as glowing you little, as much as he possibly
2: could during all of that
3: Doug, I, I, just, I agree with Walker that the word selfish was a little over the top.
4: Well, I'm a wordsmith, and uh, sometimes the words are hot. That Yeah, just like Smith. a locksmith, you pick
2: the wrong thing to break that lock. <laughs> it was the wrong word to pick as a wordsmith. Rick Bennell joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, what did you make of James Borrego's comments about praising P.J. Washington in his rookie year and saying that he should have been a part of the uh, he should be a part of the all uh, first rookie team?
3: I mean I certainly think he's he's arguably one of the best five rookies in this class. I think it's he's right on the he's right on the edge of that. I um I will you know I will say that I thought one of the more interesting things that JB said was um that he was more comfortable asserting himself in the second season than he was the first. Um everybody treads lightly when they, you know, you know, when they, they enter a new job in a whole new organization and he was a, a real life head NBA head coach for the first time. I don't count the, you know, the, the games he spent as an interim coach with the magic. Um, but, you know, it was really interesting to me that Marvin Williams told me in the preseason that JB needed to stop trying to make everybody happy. And his persona changed dramatically. He became more of an authority figure. He was dramatically more assertive. Um, he let people know where they stand. And I think, um, I think it's it's really important that JB is his own man. He's a smart guy. One of the things I like best about uh, JB is he's a both a good listener and a very transparent person. And I think he. Was a, allowed himself and others allowed him to be himself last season to to be you know, to be more comfortable in his own skin and he's more effective at his job for that.
2: Rick, final question before we get you out of here: You do uh, or you are covering the interviews from the players later on today regarding the Charlotte Hornets. So, uh, what are some? What is something you hope to learn? What is something you hope to ask with some of the players that uh, you might hear from?
3: You know, Terry Rozier is one of the people that they're making available today and. You know, since Terry and Biz are basically the only players on this team um, who have participated in deep playoff runs in the past, I want to ask Terry, you know, at this point, how he would compare where this team is as far as the ability to compete um, to a team like the Celtics were when he played on them, um, good enough to, you know, actually not just win a round, but potentially multiple rounds. Um Terry just strikes me as one of the few people on this team who might have some real perspective on what this roster is and isn't at
2: this point. Always appreciate Rick Bunnell joining us here on the podcast, even though we have tried to change his name to Rock Bunnell. The only other rock that I can think of that's any better whatsoever, it's rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models that you have in today's world, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and you can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. And see all the parts available for your car or your truck, right? Locked on and there. How did you hear about us, Box? That we sent you. It's an amazing selection. They have reliably, uh, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, and all of that is at RockAuto.com. This is Locked On Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits,
4: that's a a great word, tidbits. I mean, that's just a a funny word. word, tidbits. I want
2: to use it every single day.
4: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to Locked on Hornets. Uh, Walker decided to let me actually lead this segment because uh, I won the Malik Monk argument. According to Rick Bennell, according to Rock Bennell, you heard it last segment. Uh, he declared me the winner. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Right, Walker?
2: Uh that's false, it's emphatically <laughs> false. But you have not stopped glowing. As soon as he said anything negative about Malik Monk, you stop. You did not stop glowing over that fact.
4: I'm glowing because this is an amazing show. Because uh, this is our it's it's the Rick Benell show, but it's also the Delete Eight Mock Draft 1.0 crossover show. <laughs> and we've got our friends from Locked On Bulls, uh, Jordan Molly and uh, Matt Peck, in with us. Hey, fellas, how you doing? What's hey, you guys, thanks man. for having us. I yeah. mean, I, first
0: and foremost, we have to congratulate y'all on that giant fish MJ caught the other day, right? Like, that's that's the breaking news of the sports world.
4: Hey, listen, when I saw the the headline, I got nervous. It said that uh, Jordan catches 442-pound monster. I said, wait a minute. Did the Hornets sign Eddie Curry? Oh, my God. I got <laughs> scared. I oh, Seriously. That's excellent. So, you see, dude. that's
2: what you should be glowing over. It's that joke. It's nothing to do with Malik Monk. You can glow over that. You can have your moment. Okay, thank you.
4: Um, all right, so uh, this is how this is going to go, this crossover special that we're doing here. Essentially, uh, we did a Delete 8 mock draft, so all of the eight teams that were uninvited to Orlando got together, did a mock draft. We had the eighth selection. Our friends at Locked on Bulls had the seventh selection. If you want to hear some of the other crossover shows, Uh, You can head over to any of the delete eight teams and they'll be featuring these uh, this week and next week. Uh, But first of all, I think we should just talk about sort of where our seasons went uh, until they were suddenly stopped and how that sort of is going to affect how our teams approach uh, the draft. Uh, So, uh, Matt, where are the Bulls and and what are they thinking in terms of this offseason?
0: It's really weird. Uh, We're all talking about how this is an unprecedented situation for the NBA. I think it's also an unprecedented situation for the Bulls as a team, specifically given that they are one of the delete eight teams whose season ended abruptly. And even before we got word on what was happening with the potential resumption of the NBA season, the Bulls finally, after 17 years, created the massive front office overhaul that we kept hearing whispers about, Uh, bringing in Arturus Karnaschovas, from Denver, Mark Eversley from Philly, um, ousting Gar Foreman, and uh, putting John Paxson in, in an advisory cabinet uh, at the United center. So obviously that was the, the really weird thing about the bull season, which went disastrously and uh, when the league paused on March 11th, the bulls were 20 games, 21 games under 500 in a season when they said immediate day, the playoffs are the goal. So it was certainly a failure. And that I think is what led to that front office change finally happening. Uh, and now it's just kind of a weird situation where because of the pandemic, the, the new front office can't even get to Chicago to start shaking hands and evaluating not only the roster, but the other people in this organization and the roles that they perform. So it's a strange holding pattern for the Bulls right now.
4: And Walker, that's kind of similar to the Hornets that uh, you know we heard from Borrego and Cupchak uh, that uh, the head coach and the GM that all of their momentum as an organization stopped on March 11th. Uh, they beat the heat, uh, but then they had to cool down for uh, now what looks like oh, six to nine months. Uh, so, uh, but, but it's different with the Hornets, right, Walker, in that um, they're in a situation where they don't have any stars. We just heard from Rick. I mean, the organization views it as they don't have any stars. They're kind of in a holding pattern and that they're waiting on some talent uh, to join the organization.
2: Mitch Kupchak has been adamant that this team needs talent. And this is not the first time that we heard that in his exit interview on Monday. I mean, we've heard him say that before we play a soundbite frequently that Mitch Kupchak says, we don't have any all-stars on this team.
4: We don't have any all-stars on this team.
2: Excellent timing. Thank you. Yes. When we talk about Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets, like he knows I'm comforted by that fact that he is so transparent. He knows what the deal is. The thing is though, I feel good about the direction this team took. I mean, we're talking about a team that a lot of pundits had as the worst team in the NBA this year. And PJ Washington comes in and he's a borderline. He's certainly going to make one of the two all-rookie teams, but he's borderline first all-rookie team. We'll see whether he gets in there or not. But you get this explosion from Devontae Graham. You know, it's not a team that you're looking at next year is even going to make the playoffs, but it's the positive direction to me. It's a step in the right direction that they took um, having the expectations that we did at the beginning of the season. And so I, I, I look at this team as far as this year goes, <laughs> it's it weird to say that it would be a success given the lack of wins that they had. But I, I wanted to find out what they had and some of the young guys. And I feel good about some of the pieces that they have, uh, at least surpassing what we anticipated from them.
4: Okay. So that's where the two teams are Hornets, Bulls, uh, Bulls in this mock draft, picking seventh uh, Hornets picking eighth. Uh, Jordan, what are the Chicago Bulls looking for in the draft or what should they be looking for in in this draft before we get to our actual picks?
1: And something the Bulls have been looking for since they dealt Jimmy Butler, and that's a guy that can play both sides of the ball and also play the wing spot, which is the most important spot, I feel like, over the last few years in the NBA. And it seemingly, (laughs) the Bulls find a way every single year to not have that guy healthy or just try to piecemeal together. I mean, this year the Bulls and Jim Boylan had Shaq Harrison playing the three at some points and, and in like critical moments. So when you have a point guard that's six two playing the three and asking him to go out there and play some tenacious defense It's going to turn out all right in some situations, but for the most part, Matt and I didn't want to see that anymore. So it's going to be an elite level wing player, a guy that can play defense at a high level, uh, and also a guy that can facilitate and help Lowry marketing, help Zach Levine and the other guys kind of flourish on the offensive end.
4: And on the Hornets' side, uh, obviously we know two of the things that they didn't do very well this past season, rebound the basketball and protect the rim. So both of those could be a priority in the draft. We know that fit is not going to be a big deal, it seems like, at least, from the comments that we've gotten from general manager Mitch Kupchak. He doesn't feel like fit is an issue right now, that they've really just got to find the best player available wherever they end up selecting uh, in this draft. But I think if you were talking about needs, Definitely two-way play, definitely size at the guard position. They're a little low on that. And then uh, somebody uh, that can do some shot blocking and play some defense down low I think would be some priorities that they're looking at overall and may be able to find uh, in the NBA draft. Okay, coming up, we are going to reveal who we selected in the Delete 8 Mock Draft 1.0. But I'll tell you what my number one overall snack selection has been. And that's been... (coughs) Built Bar. Was it something funny, Walker?
2: No, I'm with you. I'm I'm completely with you. I know who my number one overall selection is in the snack world, Doug. Who's your number one overall selection?
4: Uh, Mine is Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And I mean that, 100% chocolate. These things taste great. They have uh, uh, all, uh, they've got some nut flavors. They've got some nut-free flavors. They're soft. They're easy. And they don't
2: have a nut for their dad like LeVar Ball, right? Like they don't have that kind of nut in their box, do they?
4: No, we're not talking about LeVar Ball here. We are talking about tasty protein bars that are also healthy. Uh, It's great for the health-conscious guy. I'm doing a lot more running. This is my post-run snack. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, but you still want to indulge in that tasty treat, you got to go Built Bar, get the peanut butter brownie flavor, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, three grams of sugar. That's an incredibly low amount of sugar for something that tastes so good. Uh, if you want to try Built Bar, here's what you got to do. Go to builtbar.com, Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at builtbar.com this is locked on Hornets
2: I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is yeah you no, I
4: like no that? yeah, yeah no I definitely sorry Martin. I didn't know you were tossing it there yeah I definitely okay. I definitely think that was uh, that a
2: me problem or a you a problem were you just not listening or were, was I just did I didn't set you up
4: oh I totally wasn't li- well? I wasn't listening to you okay. at all it's time for more of the locked on Hornets podcast. Before we reveal who we selected in the mock draft, we need to tell you who was selected prior to the 7th and 8th pick. So with the number one overall selection, Golden State, Locked On Warriors selected Anthony Edwards. Cleveland selects LaMelo Ball. Minnesota goes with Obi Toppin. I'm telling you, folks, Toppin is going to be a top pick. Uh, people, People are starting to notice. Atlanta going with Killian Hayes. Detroit goes with a player that I love, Onyeka Okungwu. The Knicks uh, select uh, Denny Vidaha, And then with the seventh pick, the Chicago Bulls selected James Wiseman, kind of out of Memphis. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Why did Locked On Bulls select James Wiseman with the seventh pick?
0: I think this is one of the classic examples of best Player available, uh, as opposed to drafting for need. You know, you just heard my co-host Jordan talking about the Bulls' desperation at the wing spot, especially a two-way player. Um, and obviously, Otto Porter Jr. is the incumbent starter, who's almost certainly going to pick up that you know enormous player option he's got for this coming season. But beyond that, there is no real plan uh, with the other young pieces of the core. The Bulls are still weak at the wing, but given the board and given who uh, went one through six. I think our collective decision was Wiseman despite the bulls backlog in front court positions is too good of a potential talent to pass up at this spot. So obviously uh, with with this new front office regime and Eversley and their player development crew, um, I, you know we, we would put the trust in them to evaluate, okay, what can Wiseman do compared to what is the front court future of Lowry Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr.? Should we decide to move on from one or both of those pieces? To us, it was a simple situation of let's grab the guy that we think has the best star potential in the league because Wiseman at various times has been thought of as a number one overall or number two overall caliber pick.
4: Uh, before you made the selection of of Wiseman, uh, we were definitely, Walker and I, talking about Wiseman and Devin Vassell being the two players uh, that we had an eye on based on all of the players selected uh, beforehand in the mock draft. And uh, you made our decision a lot easier. I was more in the Wiseman camp. Walker was more in the camp of selecting Devin Vassell uh, with our eighth selection. So we did, in this mock draft, we selected Devin Vassell out of Florida State with our selection walker you won this round because sort of by default because wiseman was gone uh, but why did you want vassell over wiseman even if wiseman would have been available
2: i think both of us were also okay with the other person's choice here i mean if if we take wiseman in this scenario if it does become reality i'm cool with it but i am starting to fall a little bit in love with devin vassell this happens with me every draft. I fall in love with a prospect and Vassell is being that guy for me this year, Doug. The reason being, I think you put him in a lot of different situations with the guys that we already have on this roster in the backcourt. And he fits with a lot of the guys that you have with Devontae Graham. I think Devontae is small. Devin Vassell is a six-seven shooting guard. And I think he can bring you defense and he can be the scorer, the 40% three-point shooter that he was at Florida State. Devontae can easily facilitate To Devin Vassell, you put him and even Cody Martin in the backcourt at the same time. One, that's crazy defense. It's a big backcourt. And Cody Martin has played the point before. He can facilitate to Devin Vassell. Terry Rozier can even fit much like Devontae can, where Terry can maybe bring on the one responsibility a little bit more and facilitate to Devin. Also, I think defensively, Devin Vassell, that's a guy that is a two-way player. uh, Offensively can put the ball on the deck a little bit better than I think people give him credit for had a ton of dunks at Florida state. He's athletic as well as a really good shooter. And I even think he's got some passing ability. I, I, I love him, Doug. This is the guy that I kind of want. Uh, I, I don't know how high I would take him given some of the other players there. Like if he's, I don't know if he's fourth on my board, but I, I mean, I, I really like him and I, and I like the pick here at eight overall.
4: Uh, Jordan, I'm curious. W- was there discussion about Devin Vassell at all with that seventh pick, or or did you guys key in on early on Wiseman and say we can't we can't pass this opportunity up?
1: So uh, we didn't have any discussion actually about him. We had more discussions and it was very, very brief about RJ Hampton. I think watching James Wiseman follow the way to seven, it was almost a no-brainer, even though the Bulls have Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen. And it's funny, in our mock drafts before that, I went back and looked, Matt and I selected Marvin Bagley in one of our previous mock drafts, just because he had fallen again to seven, so um, looks like the Bulls and for Matt and I scraping up the pieces. But RJ Hampton was a pick that we would have we would have taken had we fallen back a little bit farther. Uh, we also aggressively talked about if this was a full mock draft about moving the pick or potentially moving Wendell Carter Jr. or Lowry Markin in if we ended up with James Wiseman.
4: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and and Walker, I think the Hornets could could consider that as well, depending on where they land in the NBA draft lottery. A lot of questions we still don't know the answers to, uh, but uh, I think with and the Hornets also have a uh, early second round pick, so I, I think they're going to ha- going to have some maneuverability, some options uh, wherever they land.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Well, and and one thing the Hornets can do, and this is something Mitch Kupchak talked about on Monday. He talked about using the, the cap space that they're getting this offseason. Maybe you bring on a bad contract and get some candy in return for it by getting a draft cap, maybe getting some type of maybe a first round draft pick. I don't know, but this is a team that's not looking to make the playoffs next season. So they can get based off of taking maybe a bad contract. And so I don't know if maybe that's the route that they decide to go to. And real quickly, uh, guys, Matt and Jordan, I want to ask you, Man, the, the Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter discussion, that's crazy interesting to me, just as far as the future storylines of these Delete 8 teams go. because They're both first-round picks, and I feel like both of them had some promising rookie seasons, but I don't know if it worked all that well out for you guys. I mean, of course, you guys know a lot better than I do. Just your overall opinion. Matt, I guess we'll start with you. What's your overall opinion as far as whether Laurie and Wendell can coexist together on a team that does find real success in the postseason?
0: Yeah, I think the, the crux of the issue is that towards the, the middle stages of this season, Wendell was a lot more vocal uh, about his preference to play the four instead of the five. Um, He certainly is undersized even in today's small ball NBA to play the center position. He has the skill and, and the basketball IQ to make up for that lack of size, but he is certainly undersized. We've seen that be an issue with him when it comes to foul trouble and also just kind of being hung out to dry in the over-aggressive trap defensive system that Jim Boylan insisted on using all season long. As far as the chemistry between Lowry and Wendell specifically, the the Bulls offensive system that Boylan insisted on using that was sort of like a dumbed down analytics for dummies emphasis on eliminating mid-range three-pointer shots at the rim, despite not really having the correct personnel to run something like that we didn't see a whole lot of chemistry because we saw Lowry Marken and oftentimes being stuffed in, in the corner uh, around the perimeter. We saw Wendell look like a player who was afraid to even look at the basket, let alone shoot when he had the basketball in his hands. So, a lot of what Bulls fans are, are concerned about right now and hoping can get better is that this new regime will come in, evaluate what went wrong this past season as those two players didn't progress, but either stagnated or in Lowry's case specifically, certainly regressed. See if they can fix that and see if Wendell and Lowry is
2: still a potential front court for the future. But there are plenty of doubts around that. Jordan, let's go to you next as far as just... Uh, with these guys coexisting on the floor, do you think that they eventually hold on to both of these guys for I don't know a couple of years into the future, maybe the long term, or do you think eventually they settle on dealing one of them?
1: I think if I, I think I place my money on one of the two guys, are going to end up eventually get moved. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, with Carter especially, I think about his first two years think about the two massive injuries he's had. He's only played two half seasons in both of his first two years. A lot of that has to come back to the amount of physicality that comes at the center position. And Matt was talking about how he's undersized and, um, you know, as a center who's 20 years old, banging bodies with guys like Robin Lopez or Boban or uh, name your center. It, it's going to add up over a long period of time. So Wendell wanting to shift to the four makes a lot of sense. It seems like he played a lot played a lot better in college there and was a lot more comfortable with there and maybe more comfortable with his offensive skill sets. Uh, I don't see Karnasovas giving up on the reclamation project that is Lowry Markkinen. I think he's here to stay and he's, he's here to stay for the future. I just feel unfortunate for for Carter. It feels like he could be the guy that's the odd man out, but he also has the most value. If you sell Lowry Marketing right now, you're selling him at his lowest point possible. With Carter, I disagree about that. I think a lot of people across the NBA still see a, a huge upside for Carter. So um, it's not that Matt and I don't like Carter. It's the fact that I feel like he could bring us the most value, by reta- but also at the same time, the Bulls retaining uh, some of the pieces that they have so they don't have to go into like a rebuild 2.0 if 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 you even want to put it at that. So I would put my money on Carter being moved over Markkinen.
4: Walker, I'm now curious why you're curious. I mean, are you getting a little bit of an itch here uh, for <laughs> conspiracy, or
1: no. Uh,
2: well, I guess it would make some sense, right? I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit, but it more so towards the five. But no, that's not why. I just am genuinely curious as to what the front court situation would be for the Chicago Bulls in the
4: future. Could could I interest Matt and Jordan in a little Malik Monk special? Um, No,
2: don't get rid of Malik.
4: I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just seeing if they're interested. I'm not doing anything. I have no power. You know, you know, on the radio the other day, you like made me put on my GM hat. First of all, Mitch Kupchak has never worn a hat, but I don't know why people ask those questions. I have no power. I'm not the general manager. I can't make decisions, but I can ask Matt and Jordan if they would like Malik Monk.
0: Ooh, man. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love him. As a player, like I'm, I'm not clawing to get him on my team. I don't know about Jordan. I would be curious to, to know what you guys have, ha, what you guys are feeling as far as Malik Monk and the future, long term future with him and his contract. Cause that's, you know, w- when it goes back to Lowry, that's the thing I think the Bulls fans are concerned about right now. Most people don't believe that the Bulls and Lowry are going to get a new contract done before them to start next season, that they'll let him play out the final year of his rookie deal. But people are throwing numbers around about what kind of uh, you know, extension Lowry would want. And based on the season he just had, he's nowhere near that do you, So, So like, do you guys feel comfortable with what kind of money Monk is, is lined up to make it? Do you want him to sign a long-term deal to stick around?
4: I mean, I don't. Uh, Walker I, – I, actually, that's an interesting question for Walker because Walker is definitely a Malik Monk apologist. I'm definitely not that, uh, but I, I would be interested. <laughs> yeah, Walker, are you interested in signing him? Because he, he is signed. They picked up his option, but then they would have to do a qualifying offer for restricted free agency after next season. They're certainly not going to do an early extension or anything like that. But Walker, yeah. right? put
2: you on the spot. My whole point, my, my, whole point about Malik Monk, I don't know why you're scared to put on the GM hat. I will gladly wear it and (laughs) sport it around. The thing about Malik Monk, it's, it's not necessarily that I think he's going to be this big star that deserves an early extension. I think that it's a guy that I still want to hold on to because I think the potential is there more than just sending him for pennies on the dollar. Like if you were to get rid of Malik Monk right now, I don't think the value you would get in return would be worth sending him to another roster. I understand that we have some real concerns about the suspension that came his way for violating the NBA's anti-drug policy. Okay, I get that. The dude was playing a lot better in February. Like, it's not that he started catching fire because shooting numbers can go in and out, and I get all of that. The dude fundamentally changed the way that he played by attacking the rim a lot more and facilitating and being part of winning basketball. Now, again, it was not a part of the competitive stretch that they had against good teams. I get that. But I would let him play on this last year of his deal, and then I don't think that the value would skyrocket so much that he would price himself out of the Hornets market. And or I don't think that it would be this crazy big contract he would call for for the Hornets not being able to pay him. Right. I, I just I, that, that's my whole point about this. I still think the potential is attractive enough there for us to hold on to him.
4: Sure, sure, sure. Mung marketing straight up. Let's get it done. Okay. Uh, before, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> before, uh, even, before even we- I'm not doing that
4: if I'm the bulls. Right. Like that, that's not something I'm just going shut to up, Walker, I, I shut up Walker. Shut up you're killing all of our leverage you're killing all of our bargaining all right <laughs> we'll we'll get back I'm not to this sure Don't worry.
0: you had much leverage <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay uh before before we get you guys out of here um in the next version of this mock draft so mock draft 2.0 the delete 8 locked on podcast network mock draft we're going to shake things up and actually uh, do a little one through eight lottery so if uh, Matt, we'll start with you. If the the Bulls end up with the number one pick, what are you thinking right now?
0: Oh, man. Um, look, Bulls fans have been hounding me about LaMelo for like two years now. <laughs> um, obviously, what we've seen from him more recently uh, playing professionally is a lot more encouraging than the previous stops where I think he was... Dealing with just way too much pressure and also not an ideal situation, um, I I will not deny his potential star talent. Um, and, and the Bulls certainly are still looking for that all star borderline superstar potential ceiling kind of player. We thought maybe it could be Lowry after his strong rookie year. Zach Levine's clearly a gifted scorer, but you know maybe is just that and and not a guy that can really lead a team as the best player on a team that makes deep playoff runs. So I'll I'll say this. I I'm willing to take a swing on LaMelo being the star prize of this draft with one condition, which is that LaVar Ball gets a restraining order that keeps him far away from the city of Chicago. <laughs> I cannot stand that dude. I think he's a
1: terrible influence on his sons.
4: Uh Jordan, what do you think? You you in agreement there, LaMelo with the number 1? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I love, I want LaMelo in a Bulls uniform and I want LaVar as close to Chicago as possible (laughs) because man, there's one thing we've learned with Jim Boylan is the entertainment factor of guys who act like characters is, is endless. And Honestly, LeVar would be, and honestly, we don't even really need LeVar anymore. The front office is different now. What I was telling Matt was is LeVar could be a, a leader of the Bulls fans to try to make change for the front office, but that's already happened. So we may not even need LeVar's services. But regardless, I think LaMelo, it, by, by and far, is the, the best of the two guys at the top. Although I will say Anthony Edwards looks like every bit of a third disciple of Tom Crean, who is known to bring out Victor Oladipo and also Dwayne Wade. So he's got two of those guys who are multi-time NBA all-stars, one's a hall of Famer, So Tom Crean knows what he does with NBA prospects. And I think you you guys have a guy in Cody Zeller who was able to uh, turn into an NBA player and a decent one at that pack. So I love Tom Crean. I was an IU guy, so I'm split, but I would take LaMelo.
4: And if you love if you love things that don't show up in the box score that are somehow invisible, then you love Cody Zeller. That's just <laughs> bottom line. He does things that <laughs> aren't in the box score. I, I, I don't know why he doesn't do things that are in the box score, but he does things that aren't in the box score, and people love that. Uh, Walker, are you going to make it three for three here on Mello?
2: Uh, number one overall, yeah. I would take LaMelo number one overall. I, I just think when you're talking about his potential compared to everyone else. I mean, Anthony Edwards was the guy that seemed to be holding on to that number one moniker for a long time. And then it just seems LaMelo had kind of passed that past him, even as we've spoken to NBA pundits all across, you know, any platform in which we speak with them, you know, Chad Ford was somebody that came on and then he talked about that as well. And so to me, I think LaMelo ball is a guy that I would have separated above everyone else the facilitation factor, a big guard, right? Somebody that can make plays for everyone else already coming into the league. The first year is going to be one of the best passers in the NBA. I, I like that being on the Charlotte Hornets roster and making everybody else better. I would select him number one overall. If I had that choice,
4: will I make it four for four on LaMelo ball? Yes, I will. Because I think that in a week draft, there are, there are really only two players in my mind that have the potential to to be what the Hornets are looking for, they stay. They want a, a a player that can get them into the third round of the playoffs consistently. They want a player that is a you know a, a talent level that is a franchise shifter. And I think two players fit that bill in my mind, or at least have the potential to do that. That's Lamelo Ball and James Wiseman. But Lamelo has less mystery around him, and I would love a a facilitator like him uh, to be a part of the Charlotte Hornets. And I don't care about all the Levar stuff. I really don't. Um, I think. I think um I think Lonzo has shown that the kids are all right that the kids don't have to listen to the dad that the dad does the dad thing and the kids do the NBA thing and and I think that would that would hold with with LaMelo as well. Uh Matt and Jordan thank you so much uh, for doing this crossover this has been a blast we really appreciate it. Uh, and, and hope, honestly, I'm going to say this. I hope we don't do this again. I hope one of our teams gets the number one pick for 2.0. So I hope I don't see your faces again, but that's a compliment.
0: Dude. I mean, who are we kidding? The bulls are using the number seven pick in every draft from now on until 2065 <laughs>
4: <laughs> in every, uh, conceivable, uh, multiverse. The Bulls have the seventh pick. I feel that way about the Hornets. I feel so, somehow the Hornets are going to pick ninth, tenth. I really feel like a slide. We're
2: going to pick 11th again. That's what we do. We pick 11 every year, except for the one year we picked 12, except for that year that we did
4: doomed do doomed franchises. I hope you've enjoyed listening to two doomed franchises. <laughs> uh, really doom it out, a, baby. And duel it out. But man, how great a. was that j-
0: documentary? Oh, Oh, that's fantastic
4: (laughs) for both of us. Yeah. For both franchises. That was fun. All right. Uh, Thank you for listening to locked on Hornets Uh, Walker. You're, you're better at this. Take us out. You're the professional. You're the radio professional.
2: uh, I try to be every once in a while. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Locked On Bulls for joining us on this episode. Also, thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, all the other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day and we'll see you Friday.